0: That's
1: right, y'all. Welcome to the Journey to Develop Her Podcast. Let's go. This podcast equips you with the real estate and wealth strategies you can use to develop and enhance your skills, experience, and profits in real estate. While also being healthy on the inside and the outside. You ready? We are showcasing some of the world's greatest male and female real estate developers and entrepreneurs. Now it's time to develop. Here's your host, Real Estate Developing Queen. Deontay Chantel Chantel. Let's go
2: So today we have um, One of my Two of my uh, favorite realtors in New York City Nicole Talaferro And we also have Robert Rivera How y'all doing today? Hey, great Great Welcome to the Properties and Profits Mastermind I'm so happy to have y'all So just for Icebreaker, give give everyone a 60-second introduction of who you are, what you do, and how you're doing it.
3: Okay, so my name is Nicole Talaferro. I'm a realtor. Um, I basically show people how to get properties, community, um, co- commercial properties as well. Um, Rob is my partner, so we actually have developments and buildings, and um, basically we do leasing service as well.
0: And I help people buy property. And my name is Rob Rivera. Nice to get to speak with you all. Thank you, Dion, for uh, allowing me to come on here. So I am also a real estate agent, but I'm the real estate agent you call after you have acquired the property. So after you learn all the tips and tricks uh, throughout this, you know, throughout the day of picking up property, I'm more concerned with the asset management and what it's going to be worth to you down the line and how, right, like maximizing that flip and that return on the property. I deal a lot of that with asset management. I also do um, 421A mixed-use developments um, as a leasing manager, as a managing agent in New York City. So I do a lot of the paperwork and administrative stuff on rent-stabilized, rent control properties.
2: Nice, nice, nice. So, I love both of them because like they said, they work together, but they work in different arenas, right? So Nicole, she's helping you get into the property. And Robert is helping you maintain it, manage it. And he has he's a a whole book of knowledge. For <laughs> real. A- Yes, he is. <laughs> so def- these are definitely the right people for the questions I'm about to ask. So Nicole, in your in your opinion, not even in your opinion, what's happening right now? What is the current state of the real estate market?
3: Well, the current state of the real estate market is that interest rates are currently high right now. So what they're actually doing is trying to create programs that are going to keep people interested in buying. So in my opinion, this is the perfect time to purchase a property because right now you have more negotiation power. You're going to be able to get those sellers' concessions. About a year ago, you wouldn't be able to get that because people were putting overpriced prices on the home and they were knocking home first-time home buyers out the market. Even if they had the money, they couldn't afford to do it because these people were coming in paying $20,000. So with interest rates being high, a lot of people are scared to purchase property because first of all, a lot of people don't know what interest rates are. Like they don't know how to determine what interest rates are. But if you get an FHA loan, you'll be able to uh, basically refinance in one year. If you get a conventional loan, you'll be able to refinance again in six months. So in my opinion, this is the perfect time to purchase a property and be able to get exactly what you want right now.
2: Awesome. And do you want to add to
0: that, Robert? Yes. So, you know, there's a, a very easy math equation when it comes to getting- Oh, a- and
3: l- let's not forget that Rob is also a mortgage lender.
0: Yes. Yes. I do help broker financing, but it's part of like asset management, like- knowing when and how you could grow your portfolio using financing. Once you, once you obviously like, like already have it, but um, you, you know, to that point, I don't think anybody's looking for one deal, right. You're not, you know, spending your day speaking with masterminds and real estate professionals on how to get one property, right. Like this is about growth. This is about retiring. This is about, you know, having, multi-million dollar portfolios and multiple sources of, of income streams. And, you know, one thing that I can know for sure um, that, you know, I could say, and everybody could, you know, very easily understand this, when you have assets under your name, you get offered more. You get offered more loans. You get offered more funding. You get offered... Uh, you you know, more projects, you have chances to make more connections, the growth is exponential once you get in. So if you do not have real estate assets under your belt, like you need to get one, it's less important that you make, you know, know, $2,500 a month profit instead of $1,900 a month profit today. If you don't have an asset, like you don't, one, you make zero profit, (laughs) <laughs> right? right like a off your money you make nothing and you're also extending the time that you're going to be able to get some of the benefits from being a commercial grade investor so you need to, so like you know it's always good to start if you have there's a, a a legitimate choice you need to make okay i have an asset should i refinance what are interest rates if you don't have an asset there's no choice to make like you need to you should start
2: exactly exactly all right, so for those who are not homeowners yet, right? Nicole specifically, how are some ways or how could would you recommend, especially with your clients, how are you advising them on how to purchase their first um, investment property, which they may even use for house hacking?
3: Well, c- can you repeat that
2: question again? I said, okay, well, I kind of reached out that one. but how would you <laughs> advise no. Hold on, my connection. Can y'all hear me clearly or is it buffering? Okay, it says, how would you advise one to purchase a multifamily property specifically for house hacking?
3: Oh, so I would definitely tell them to use a FHA loan um, and purchase their property. Like I said, it's always going to be a perfect time to purchase and buy. Um, a lot of the programs that they do have do not do um, a, a lot of the other programs I'm going to talk about. is not geared to multifamily homes. It would be geared more to single first um single family homes but um, purchasing a two family versus purchasing a single family will give you basically revenue that you'll be bringing in and generating so that that first property will be able to help you purchase your second property because you'll be generating income from the first property so i will always suggest a person to purchase a multi-family home versus purchasing a single family home and making the money off the first property and then going to pay the second property and have no mortgage payments, basically.
2: Awesome. And I do see some questions dropping in the, um, the chat. So what I will say is, we'll get to the questions at the end, of course. <laughs> um, so Rob, I started talking about single room occupancy properties. Can you explain to the, our audience what is that exactly?
0: so an sro single room occupancy is a a a property that is is um the the layout is in such as that there there are just bedrooms there are basically they're on average about 250 square feet on every floor you would have a shared communal bathroom or a kitchen um they are so they're a hud uh, a hud sponsored entity okay so you you can't You can't make any more right now. You couldn't build an SRO, but uh, if you find one, you can utilize it. Um, They are, they're geared towards people that are going to be transient. You can rent rooms by the week. Uh, It's legally rentable by the week. Uh, You get a lot of uh, people that are in and out of kind of like shelters, halfway houses, things like that. They do pay a premium. Uh, All right. You will be able to rent out an SRO for more than what you would rent a normal, Two-family house. If you're looking at it like price per square foot, um, the the benefit of them is that because they're a HUD sponsored, um, it's because it's they're kind of like an HUD entity. You have access to renovation, to uh, utility, and to additional grants that you would not have through conventional loan means. Um, so you could get free money from a, the you know HPD in New York City, uh, the HCR in New York State, and HUD if this is a nationwide um you know the, the housing urban development departments and nationwide uh you, you know like entity that the ones that run section eight you can uh get funding from them to help you maintain that that asset and grow your wealth like without coming out of pocket right,
2: right. and what i love about sr rose is we're talking about because we're in the metro new york area but this is this these type of units or properties are available throughout the country. Um, they may be called different things. Uh, someone even asks, is it similar to independent living facilities? Yes, it can be um, classified as such in a different city or state, um, even transactional, transitional housing, supportive housing. Um, but what I love about it is um, New York City and New York, I'll say New York State, right? And some of the other states, they're al- actually allocating millions probably billions of dollars for yeah. people that are in need of these services right and it could be someone that's facing homelessness or it doesn't always have to be drug related or um not even abuse related they even have programs for people that are um aging out of foster care right so they have different type of SRO or supportive housing um facilities where us being landlords and buyers we can buy those type of buildings those type of clients in there and generate x amount of dollars per year i don't want to put the number right there but for new york York York
3: has yeah because new york has one to 15 homeowners to it so we have a high rent occupancy so you're always going to get renters in new york city always
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so someone asked, actually she's one of our speakers um she's out of philadelphia so she actually said and you know what We'll just ask it now, since we're talking about it right now. She said, does it have to be zoned for that type of property? Um, Because she said in Philadelphia, you can't have more than three unrelated people renting single rooms in a property with um, single family housing zoning. So in this case, I know it can be strangers because I've seen it. Yeah,
3: definitely.
2: Yeah. Um, We've seen... um, You know, two bedroom apartments be chopped up into three to four rooms Mm -hmm. and is with strangers. Uh so New York is probably because of the density, it's probably more a little bit more um lenient on uh the zoning compared to like a town like Philadelphia, which is a little bit more, you know, smaller. They don't really have big buildings like New York City. They do they do have
0: SRO housing in Philadelphia. SROs really got popular in like the second half, uh or, or kind of like the middle. Of the 20th century think like the 50s and the 60s um and, and that right even even into the 70s where they took older multi-family housing okay so if, if it's a, if it's zoned as a single family home so you know it's a certificate of occupancy in new york city that that says what the property is within any given zone i can have a single family home multi-family home commercial mixed use like any of those things that could fit in a particular zone but the property needs to be classified as a multi-family house to have different rental, you know, different um, people renting different apartments. So, um, in in a single-family house, is it going to be legal? Probably not. I would assume Philadelphia has that same type of rule. Like if it's a single-family, it's for a single uh, single person. But if it's in a multi-family, if it's in a multi-family building, you can do single-room occupancy. Now, you cannot convert. Anything to SRO right now, all right? So like they've they've stopped that. So but if you find one that's available, you can certainly uh, pick it up and pick up where they left off. What you're finding a lot, and this is across the country, is you know the people that operated these SROs, they've made a lot of money. The owners are generally and they're like 60s and older, like they've had these for a long time, and they just kind of got tired of like fixing them up and things like that. And the, when the paper, when the paperwork is lacking, okay, so that's one thing when you are going to any rent-stabilized, um, HUD-subsidized type of property, like you need to have your uh, your rental paperwork up to date, right? Like, think income recertifications, any type of tax credit that you're gonna get, that's that should be part of your pro forma, basically, right? Instead of saying that, like, oh, I'm gonna spend X amount of dollars on the kitchen, right? You're spending X amount of dollars to to uh, an X amount of effort. To make sure that they're um, like the paperwork's in order, so you could maximize your profit on that property, and that's the disconnect with where people don't really know what to do, and they're like, ah, I don't know. There's like an 85-page manual on the HUD document about you know income recertification, and like from the Department of Housing. Those are the things that I kind of like walk people through. Um, it does, right? You you could be you could have something that's very very valuable as long as you know where to get the proper uh, you know information on it.
2: Right. Awesome! I love that you gave that advice. Now, typically, and I don't know if I wrote this down here, but typically, um, in a city like New York City, what are they paying on the on the low end? what are they paying per night per person? And on the high end, what are they paying per night per person uh, for SRO?
0: On the low end, it would be like one seventy five a week. On the high end, it's like one hundred and forty dollars a night, a day. So you.
2: So,
0: I'm sorry, $75 a night. $175 oh. a week. Okay. A week okay, on okay. the low end. So, like, you know, like, right, you see some of them $250 a week, $300. And these are, these are like free market. Someone comes, like, I need a place that you can offer them, like, for a week at something like that. But on the high end, uh, you're looking at about $130, $140 a day.
3: Right. Which about 3000 a month.
0: Yeah. More. For <laughs> real
3: right, right, right. That's a lot,
2: much higher than you, you know, collecting market. Well, we'll say that's why
3: area and location is one of the most important things. You see how you can't do certain things in Philadelphia, but you can do certain things in the Brooklyn area, the Bronx area that they are going to allow those type of traffic areas to come in just to respond to what she just said. Um, So anytime you're buying a, a investment property, location, 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 because I know we definitely have different people from different cities. You might live in Arizona, but you have to look at the home ownership out there to renters ratio. If everyone, if it's 95% homeowners, you don't go get a multifamily out there because the rent, you're, you're not going to find renters, they are owners. So you have to go to different places and don't be scared to venture into different states.
0: I just want to answer one question. I saw a a comment, um, says money and scrape, but my neighbors don't want that much traffic in an area. Right. Again. So these properties are already there. Okay. Like rent stabilized rent controlled SRO properties, they're already in place and somebody wants to sell them. Someone's owned them for 30 years. They've maximized it. Like they want to sell them. This is about what you're going to be able to capitalize over the next five, 10, 20 years. And in your right, like, like, right down your journey, you can I, in here in New York City, I could buy an eight family rent stabilized property for like $1.4, $1.5 million. Where if it was free market, it would be like two to like two and a half million dollars, maybe. And that's in the Bronx. If we're talking about like Harlem, you're talking about like a two or three million dollar, you know, four or five, six family house. Where if I was getting rent stabilized, it could be like a million dollars less, like like per cost. The tax
3: exemptions, tax tax
0: benefits, and the additional funds that can come to you from that property far outweigh what you would you're potentially losing by not gaining, uh, you know, free market rent. All right, so like the same building that um, is going to drive, you know, a free market building that drives one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year in income the taxes may be $30,000, but here in New York city, right. Depending on where you are, a rent stabilized building that drives, you know, $90,000 of income, the taxes may be like zero. So you're making the same type of profit or more, plus have the additional benefit of you're going to be subsidized for certain repairs that you make. And like the cash on cash is going to be equal or the same. So it's just, You know, it's not everybody's cup of tea. They don't want to deal with some of the, you know, some of the programs or, right? You don't feel like you can manage tenants that may be in need. Um, Hire a property manager, (laughs) right? Right. You want passive income to be passive anyway. So you should hire someone to deal with that anyway. But, it, you you know, like, don't don't cut it out because you could be looking over deals. Like, you're standing around like, where's the money? Where's the money? Like, where can I make money? Everything's like so overpriced. It could be right in front of you, but you're cutting off like half of the potential stuff because ah, it's not, that's rent stabilized or that's an SRO or that's something. right? You, you could be just um, like walking right over it. Uh, so I would take a look.
3: So I do want to bring up some new programs that actually just came out that is um, everywhere that you can go. Um, actually, the Joe Biden administration just actually came out with a program and it's called the Down Payment Towards Equality Act. And it's geared to people actually not having a credit score. So you not, they're not looking at the credit score. There's no credit score that needs to be generated. What they do is they traditionally look at your payment history now because they're basically trying to close the gap in our community between um, it's basically 74% of the other culture and we currently own 41%. So they're trying to actually team up with banks like Bank of America and m and Bank that currently own offers these programs right now. Um, you actually do have to take the course for them. Um, and there, it's, it's like a four week course that you will have to take. And they basically do counseling and, and training and just make sure that you're going to be able to be reliable in paying it back. So if you don't have no money and you don't have closing costs, that doesn't mean that you can't purchase a home. You just have to sometimes just go on Google and look at some programs that your state is offering. But Bank of America, we know is nationwide. MT is nationwide banks. So if you're looking to be a homeowner and you have little credit, which I will always tell everyone to fix their credit. I, I, I always want to stress that because I'm not sure of the interest rates that they will be charging if you're not putting no money down. I don't, it could be possibly potentially high and detrimental to you, but it, there is ways to purchase homes without anything. Awesome. But and you I'm, need a job though. <laughs> you need a job. Let's say I don't want you to think you you need it. You need a job. <laughs> you have to work though.
2: <laughs> you know, I love that you segue right into what they would need, what the p- new programs are. I didn't even know because I've been out the loop of being a realtor for some time so thanks for even bringing that up right now so typically we're about to wrap it up soon but typically if someone on this live has never purchased a home can you briefly explain what the home buying process is like from beginning to end
3: so typically what you would do is you would basically find a mortgage lender the first thing that you would want to do is contact the bank um and and basically get your documents over to them. So they'll be looking at your t- W-2s for the last two years. They'll be looking at your debt to ratio income, um, like what you owe, which shouldn't be over 43%, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Rob, for the FHA?
0: Yeah, you can actually, you know, they could probably stretch a total debt to income up to about 40, like 48, 49% um, possibly. That includes the mortgage. Your housing ratio, like just the housing payment, could be up to about 37, 38 percent, depending on your uh, your reserves that you'd have. Right. Yeah.
3: All right, so once you get past that point, let's say they issue you a pre-approval, you find an agent that you like to work with, and it depends on what type of property that you're actually looking for. So if you're looking for a multifamily investment property, you need to work with a realtor that understands multifamily investments because they'll be able to give you your rent roll. If you have, you you, you don't want to purchase a property and your mortgage is $4,000 and you're going to get $1,000 for the one bedroom downstairs, and now you're stuck paying $3,000, that's not what an investment is. You want to capitalize on what you're going to, your, your, your return. Um, once you do that, they will do an inspection. They will come out and do an inspection. Um, you will pay for an inspection. After the inspection, the bank will come out. They will send an appraiser, appraiser out, um, see that the property is worth what it's supposed to be, which I just skipped the step, step which you would put in an offer for the property. They will put in an offer, the seller will to see the offer and accept the offer if they like the offer. After that, they will do an appraisal. The appraisal will come out. The bank will have to say that this property is worth something. It doesn't matter if you put in, you could put, the person could put down that the property is worth 900000 That doesn't mean the bank is going to come and say the property is worth $900,000. The bank will then say what it is worth. You will go into contract. You will get your attorney and you will close on your property. It's really not that hard,
0: but real quick, I know you, you got to run. If you have, have done like three deals in the last like couple of years, we can cut that whole process down to about 30 seconds where you send me your bank statements and the property that you want to buy. And we say yes or no, based on what, you you know, based on like what we think you could rent the property for that's an experienced investor. They have access to commercial loans and investor loans that people don't always have. So, um, again, like your first property, your second property may just be getting the resume to have access to all this stuff that could, you know, expand your portfolio exponentially. It's, you're not gonna, you probably won't hit a home run on the first one, but the third or fourth one, it will certainly, uh, will certainly be there. And um it's going to be, they, it gets much, much easier.
3: And awesome. this is a cash deal. You close in 10 days. Yeah. <laughs> and you bypass so, everything.
2: And I love that. And I'm going to definitely recommend y'all to reach out to both of these realtors because I love that um Robert is. is let me tell you, okay. We had a whole conversation <laughs> randomly. <laughs> he is a plumber of knowledge. Um, but I love that he can also help structure your deals too. And that brings me to like one of my last questions from you, Robert is typically how are um commercial well, I don't say commercial deals because that's a whole nother segment for later today, but let's go back to SRO for a second, okay? okay? Hey, somebody on here, because there's a few of the people on here um, that are really interested in working with nonprofits, doing SROs, and, you know, just making a difference in the community. Typically, how are these deals structured? Let's say they can't afford to buy a building in New York City, right? Um, I know another alternative would be to structure a master lease, correct? So, are That's you correct. able to about yeah. that a little bit?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, they... So a master lease is like, say there's 10 SROs or even 10 regular apartments or eight regular apartments, right? They have a certain rent roll. You're going to lease out the entire building to the owner for an amount under what you would rent the entire building. And then it's your job to rent the entire building out. Okay. So this whole building would rent for $24,000 a month. I'm going to do a master lease for $19,000 a month, rent out the property, right? $5,000 a month's profit. That's kind of how a master lease works. Um, and it's your job to just do the managing of, of getting the people in and out on a really, really quick level. Um, typically people really want to see, again, like people want to see some experience. And then if you're looking to buy the property, you know, anything that's not a single to four family house condo or co-op is going to be a commercial or private loan. Okay. Um, commercial or private lenders will lend against anything. I don't care if you want to buy a gas station or, you know, the Taj Mahal, like it really doesn't matter any like that's all the same thing. If it, as long as it's not one, two, three, four family condo co-op for owner occupied use, everything else is technically a commercial private money, hard money, whatever you want to call it loan. All those things are the same things. And the most important thing is, is capital and experience of the borrower. Okay. There's no credit score there's, there's no you know ratios that have to be that are managed by the you know by like the state or the government or anything like that here's a person they want to do business can do can they uh, do they have proof that they can do business and does the business work and that business is like the next is the rental property or investment property that you want to buy um it's, it's a much simpler process but again it's only really available after like two people who have had experience in that, so like I said, I'll, be, I'll say it again. Even if you're buying, uh, you know, a cheap house in Indiana for twenty thousand, you don't make any money, right? You're gonna, you're gonna hear about land bank deals today. You're gonna hear about HUD homes. You're gonna go online, pick something up for twenty, you know, twenty thousand, fourteen thousand dollars. Even if that only makes you five hundred dollars a month, that is buying you credibility to grow your portfolio. So don't think about it as like, oh, I gotta go get this ten-unit building and. New york that's four million dollars right like that's a big jump to make if you just if you start building some type of portfolio um you know even if it's low risk low reward that alone is is going to help you down the line so don't think don't look at it like it's you know just that that single dollar amount like you got to get started and then that will open up more options for financing to pick up sros to pick up commercial property to pick up abandoned kind of rundown deals, to do construction, to do development. None of those things are gonna come without uh, some type of background. So um, yeah, would, if you guys have questions on it, that my, uh, my sub stack is on there. You could subscribe for free and contact me, ask me any questions if you'd like.
2: I highly recommend it. Um, someone asks, and I do have one, Nicole, to close it out on my last question, not this question I'm asking, but I have a question for you, Nicole, specifically. But someone quickly asks, are flips considered a portfolio as well? And I'm going to say no. But it, it it shows experience, but it doesn't, yeah,
0: it's they, not. No, they want to see deals. So if you bought and sold homes over the last few, you know, over the last few years, absolutely. That's enough experience. You don't need to be holding on to the property, but they want to see that you have, you know, like, you know, you have experience and you have the want to do it. This is this is a business, right? At this point, it's 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 a business. Buying your own home, house hacking, or you know, buying a multifamily house, renting out the bottom, it's certainly going to help you, and you're certainly going to save money and build your personal wealth. But commercial and investment um, and multifamily, like four family and up deals, that's this is this is business. Um, so one thing, one one quick thing I will say, don't buy that property thinking you're going to you know, if I'm going to profit $4,000 a month that I get to take $3,000 a month and go to Miami with, because that's bad business. <laughs> All right. Um, that money should be going back and invested and used to right. you pay yourself a regular salary that you're going to use, set yourself up as an S corporation, okay. pay yourself a regular salary, use that money. Don't abuse the commercial asset. Because if, if, if I do see that, I'm going to say, well, you're a risk as as a as a, someone who's going to broker your financing i want to see that the business is going to grow so you need to reinvest in the business uh, at least on the first few deals and then when you get the big one and you have like a bigger profit, then you could go like go ball out <laughs> yeah
3: but buying 10 properties and have getting four thousand dollars from each of them <laughs> but, a but great, get the
0: 10 properties first. right yeah. <laughs>
2: So someone did say, um, Nicole, can you restate the name of the act, the credit act that Biden implemented?
3: So it's called the Down Payment Towards Equality Act. And um, the Bank of America loan is specifically called the Community Affordable Loan Solution. Um, That's what that's what it is. So y'all definitely actually they'll be giving out twenty five thousand dollars. The Bank of America does ten to fifteen thousand dollars. But they do not service the New York area. And I needed to say that because we have a higher price point. So they're not <laughs> our down payments are totally higher.
0: And Nicole, how much is your buyer getting on in Harlem for their down payment assistance?
3: Seventy four thousand. So let's talk about that.
0: Yes. I actually, right?
3: Yes. so It's a co-op. Twenty five
0: percent of the of the purchase price.
3: Yes. So my client right now, actually, they do have HFDCs for people that don't know that. And it's a program geared to people that cannot traditionally get a loan because they don't have high income credit limit. They don't have income, high cre- income. Um, my client actually makes eighty thousand dollars to combined. Uh And that's the limit that you can actually get for that um, co-op. Um, And she's getting $74,000 from HPD. She did four classes and she just got approved for it. Um, And she got a $274,000 loan. So, and it's a 4 bedroom in Harlem. Um, The person originally purchased this property for $500. Because I always talk about this property. The person that originally bought the property purchased it for $500. I sold, me and Rob sold the property for $400,000.
2: Nice, nice, nice. So, all right. So to close it out, Nicole, why is home ownership essential to
3: the black and brown community? Oh, my gosh. So it's essential because we have to build. This is what this whole event is about. First and foremost, let's get that. This is what this event is about. Home ownership, owning generational wealth, closing the gap between other ethnicity and our ethnicity. We don't have enough home ownership, which means we are leaning more towards government assistance we are not going to be able to take care of each other if we don't have anything for the next generation. So home ownership is important for the next generation, for you to be able to provide for yourself, to provide for your children, to have assets, to build equity. Equity is most important thing that you could build for yourself. Someone, well, if you don't pay property taxes, they could definitely come take it, but (laughs) nobody can't come take that from you. Your children are going to be able to live in this property and, Basically, passing on to the next generation, which your children—that stops Section 8. You, you're not going to be on Section 8. You're not going to be dependent and leaning on programs to basically take care of you. And we are leaning on that. And a lot of people don't know that, especially in New York. New York is becoming gentrified. So right now, even though right now, how much is a studio apartment in your building right now, Rob? Thirty-two hundred. Thirty-two
0: hundred.
3: 3200 Now, can you get a one-family home and pay mortgage for 3200 that? That's enough right there to actually purchase a home. Why pay someone else's rent when you can and you're not building anything for yourself? You have to build something for yourself. And this is what this whole event is about. It's about home ownership, making something happen for yourself, and not depending on anyone to take care of you. You have it. You can always go sell it. If you go, if you don't have anything, and you have a home, you could go take that and get the equity out of it and start all over and start fresh.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I would love to do. You know, that's one of the reasons I wanted to be here too. You, you know, I I do rent those apartments, three thousand, four thousand, five thousand dollars out in the Bronx, and I you know I get paid, but you know I drive that money for like a real estate investment trust and it's not the black and brown community that we could do like for each other. Um, I charge them a lot of money, but you know, this is free for you. So hopefully, you know, <laughs> take the advice you learn here today and-, and Yes, uh, he
3: has and, worked and with millionaires yeah. and developers. And right now, currently, in New York City, it's it's actually a lot of people don't realize that actually Afro Latinos and 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 Blacks are actually being pushed back down south. They are being pushed back down south because they're not going to be able to live in communities like New York, like LA, like Miami, because the development is going up. So developers are coming, purchasing these properties, making them, uh, making, getting tax breaks. Everything that we're trying to teach you right now, (laughs) everything that you're trying to learn right now, they're doing at a higher scale. They are coming buying these buildings for $4 million and getting tax breaks. And their children are going to be able to go to college and they don't even live in the Bronx.
0: Yeah. And if you're afraid, you know, just leave it at that, like if you're afraid of making that investment, because you think, you, you know, you're worried about if I am I going to be able to handle the payment and wind up in like in an, in an you know, in an apartment or, or without like my house, you know, like, like look around where you are now. Like, are you in an apartment? Are you, are you happy with where you are now? Like you're worried about what if I lose this thing? Like, where are you going to be? Well, you're probably going to be right where you are now. So are you afraid no, of? trying to get something else or you're afraid of, right? Like I'd be more afraid of being stuck where I am. Right. Like, I don't like, if I'm in an apartment, like, I don't want to be in this apartment anymore. That fear should push you to make something happen. To, you know, you know, as, as long as you're financially stable enough to make the jump, right. I'm not telling anybody to do something they actually can't afford. If you're financially stable enough to make the jump, it's just, ah, uh, you know, I don't want to risk, you know, Losing something, but like, you you're gonna be right where you are. Losing the apartment. Where you made the jump. <laughs> you know, you know, you should be more afraid of being stuck there than you should be of of losing something that you don't even have
3: yet. And that's why purchasing a multi-family is important because mm-hmm. that's what you might as well pay your own rent. You could rent you if you're paying already two thousand dollars, three thousand dollars. You go get a multi-family. You you're paying that already. Put put that towards your mortgage. Have someone else pay your Pay the rest of the mortgage, and it's building something for you. You're not building something for someone else because a lot of people don't know the tenant is actually paying the debt. So these these landlords own these properties, and they're not paying the mortgage. We are paying it for them,
2: right? So last, last, last question. I promise, y'all. We we running over. We way, we way over, and I know
3: Robert has to
2: go. Um, someone said, "What are your thoughts on the NACA program?" Either one of you can answer that.
0: The NACA program, uh, in in regards to what, into into uh, buying home,
2: yeah, first time home buyers buying a home. Um, what are your thoughts on people using the NACA program to help them buy their first home?
0: Again, if it's if it's the means that you have to use to get it, by all means, like go do it. Um, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be trying to downplay my assets or worth like to try to get something with no money, like, you know, very little money down, like understand when you buy a house, if you're going to finance 99% or a hundred percent of the house, you know, you didn't buy the house, you don't have equity in the house. Right. So the bank owns the house. You will not actually make a profit, a wealth profit on that home for like five to seven years. So do the math. Let's just do the math. You know, you could say, you know, how much money do I have? How much money, how long will it take me to save? You know, is it, if it's going to take you seven years to save up for a down payment, right? From whatever you are now, then absolutely. Then use that, use that process now. But like, if you have money in your 401k or in a money market account, if you're putting it, you know, if you're putting money away, just like waiting to do something, but it's like, oh, but I could get it for, you know, for like free, you know, you're just, you're just, you're prolonging the amount of time that you have to pay for the house and pay for the equity on it because one of the benefits of the home ownership is, you know, being able to refinance and tap into the equity on it. Um, like, you know, if any of you guys know what, you know, like what billionaires do, like they don't have credit cards, they borrow from their stocks, right? They buy stocks, they buy stocks, they buy stocks. They don't, they could take a loan from their stock brokerage account and then pay it back. The stock keeps growing up in value and all they're doing, they're repaying themselves for money that is worth less than when they borrowed it. Right. If I borrow a thousand dollars and I pay it back three years from now, when the portfolio when those stocks are worth, you know, two thousand dollars, right? I I still only have to pay back a thousand. So I got a free thousand dollars even when I borrowed money. That's the type of, of you know benefit that you could get from home ownership. But it's specifically with from the equity that you have in the home ownership. So if you if there's not a way to, you know push the amount of equity you put don't think of down payment as a cost down payment it is your cash turning into equity in a real asset you're not losing money from down payment you're 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 gaining it
3: but we just heard someone say build your credit if you build your credit you could you yeah yeah yeah, you have the money right there you don't need the knocker program you could build your credit you could buy your house with your llc
0: you know if you find something today and you don't have a way to, to you know to increase the amount of cash you have within a reasonable a reasonable amount of time, and you're renting, and and this is your best option to get a home, then go do like do it, because in yes it'll take you seven years to build you know positive equity and be able to use that asset, but most likely it would take you seven years of you renting your apartment to maybe even save up enough money to buy a home, like you might as well just buy the home now. So use the program if it's there. And um, like I said, but like, I wouldn't try to like, you know, try to put nothing down if I had it. (laughs) I would put it that way, yeah.
3: Yeah, interest rates would be super high.
2: who don't know, NACA is, NACA is a loan program that does not require a credit score, excuse me, a credit score minimum, okay? So you can have whatever credit score. However, they do look at your debt to income ratio. They do give you a hundred percent. Um. Well, it's a no down payment type of loan, right? And no uh, closing costs, so you don't have to come to the table with any um, down payment and no closing costs. However, they do require you to have, I think, five, maybe three to five thousand dollars saved in your bank account. Um, but outside of that, you don't come with anything, right? Um, they do take a long time, so don't think you're gonna find a house, <laughs> you're gonna put it in the contract, and you're gonna close
3: in 30 days. It can
2: take months to close unfortunately but you have you tons of
3: programs of- you have tons of programs another program oh, that like- is available mm-hmm. is the community home innovation program and it, this is new york i'm sorry because i'm a new york realtor um and it serves the westchester and the long island community and they give you forty thousand dollars too all you have to do is do counseling so it's i, I there's tons of programs that's geared to first time to, first time home buyers. You just have to find them. But paying nothing down, like I said, even with the Bank of America, interest rates is very important. Please do not get yourself into a contract and go into thinking that you're purchasing the home and then turn around and lose that home. A lot of people actually are going into foreclosure that just purchased their homes during that COVID section.
0: Yeah. Again, if you are on like a fixed income, you have a job where your income's not going to grow. Like, this is what it is. I work for. You know, the city, the library, municipality, like I have set, it. you know, increases and things like that. I'm going to buy a house. I'm not going to, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to flip it. Um, and this is right. This is a way that you could get a house. I would, I would certainly use it for the majority of people. I would try to you know, fix your credit and save money if possible. Look for other ways um, to, to generate money, you know, look, look towards your look internally towards some of your expenses, things that you're spending money on. And put some importance on where that money goes, uh, and then, and, and then, and then, you know, do the best thing for you.
2: Awesome. Well, God, this this one was fire. Okay, I think every segment so far has been fire. Um, thank you both so much for joining me, joining all of us, collaborating with us, dropping gems, sharing knowledge. Like, I really do appreciate it. And everyone, make sure you get in contact with both of them um nicole does have a book um nicole drop the handle for your book what's what's the name of your
3: book getting started with real estate in the big apple
2: okay so hers is getting started in the big um in real estate in the big
3: apple it's geared to agents because you know coming in in, in and coming in sometimes you don't have agents that teach you other things i was lucky i have rob that teaches me a lot and he takes it step by step, but you have a lot of agents or brokers that don't even do that, and you'll be lost. And I don't, I don't, I don't think that I want anyone to be lost.
2: To be honest, if I decide to be an agent again, I'm I'm coming to y'all team. So
3: <laughs> just, just in case. Yeah. But Rob,
2: again, you know you're like an encyclopedia of information, and I encourage all of you. I don't care what state you're in, definitely. Get in contact with Rob. Stay connected to both of them, Rob and Nicole. All right, so I'm going to let y'all go. Thank you so much again. God bless you all. all.
1: Thank you guys. Thank you for listening to The Journey to Develop Her Podcast with Deontay Chantel and her special guest. Listen, we want you to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform and give us a five-star review. That would be incredible. And we also have a visual experience over on YouTube. Just YouTube, Journey to Develop Her Podcast. To Follow Deontay on Instagram. Just hit up Deontay Chantel. That's D-I-O-N-T-E-C-H-A-N-T-E and also on IG at Journey to Develop Her. That's Journey to Develop Her. You can hit all the links in her bio with that. Stay locked in, keep developing, and we'll see you here next time.